0: Well, we are beginning to come down from the excitement of Christmas and the new year. And for many of us, that means a return to our routines. It means a return to the mundane. Our business administrator, Steve Wofford, reminded us of this as a staff this past week. But he also said that even as we return to the mundane, There is nothing mundane about what God is doing in and among us. From the beauty of each effortless sunrise down to the thoughtless necessity of each miraculous life giving breath, each moment is holy if we will awaken to it, even and perhaps especially the mundane one. Isn't that a great reminder? And today we'll explore a text from the Old Testament. And it's a text that's often associated with Christmas. You see, Isaiah 9, 6 reads, For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. But we won't get there today. Today we'll spend our time on verses 1 through 4. And I invite you to open there now in the Bibles that you've brought with you from home or in your pew Bibles. Or perhaps turn there in your mobile devices to Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 4. But a few words of context before we read the passage for today. In the book of Joshua, after the people of Israel have crossed over the river Jordan... And into the promised land. The the land is divided into 12 parcels and given each to a tribe of Israel. The kingdom of Israel that that Saul and David then go on to build unites the tribes. But then, after the reign of King Solomon, who, who came just after David, the kingdom is split into two the kingdom of Israel in the north and the kingdom of Judah in the south. And then about 200 years after this split, the Assyrian Empire begins a conquest of the northern kingdom. Now the Assyrians are located to the northwest, or choir to the northwest, (laughs) of the kingdom of Israel. And so as they come down, they invade the northern kingdom before they were to ever get to the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom kind of acts like a buffer. And the parcels of land that are on the very extreme northern edges of the northern kingdom of Israel belong to the tribes of Naphtali along the Sea of Galilee and Zebulun, right here in between the Sea of Galilee and the Mediterranean Sea. And it was a custom of conquering empires at this time When they would conquer a nation, they would would take the peoples captive and they would carry them away. And so this is exactly what is going on. The, The peoples of Naphtali and of Zebulun and of the other tribes in the northern kingdom are being carried off over a series of years by the Assyrian Empire. And so these are the ongoing activities that Isaiah is speaking into the events, the crisis. The people of Zebulun and Naphtali have been carried away along with other members of the northern kingdom. The destruction of the northern kingdom is ongoing and Judah is under threat. And so friends, listen, listen with that in mind. But there will be no gloom for those who were in anguish, In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the later time, he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you, as with joy at the harvest as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And So this morning, I'd like us to explore two aspects of this scripture. First, this scripture within the context of the larger Isaiah narrative reminds us, of the critical nature of the mundane. And second, this scripture provides us assurance of God's promises in the midst of whatever darkness we find ourselves in. And so in the book of Isaiah, throughout the book of Isaiah, Isaiah is speaking to an Israelite people who have wandered away, who have erected altars to other gods who have participated in idol worship, in fact, in the first chapter of, Je- of Isaiah, the prophet opens, delivering God's message, saying, I reared children and brought them up, and they have rebelled against me. They have forsaken the Lord, they have spurned the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on him. And then in Isaiah eight thirteen, just prior to the passage we read this morning, we read, The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. Again and again, The prophet reminds the people and reminds us that we are to worship God, to regard God as holy, no one else, nothing else. And Isaiah seeks to make it clear that that all of the behaviors, the resultant behaviors that the Lord finds reprehensible, are a result of failing to worship God, of, of failing to praise God, of failing to affix God as the center of all life. but I believe that many of us know this. The Westminster Shorter Catechism puts it this way, that humanity's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy God forever. But many of us know this. Jesus says, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. But many of us know this. We are to worship That we are to spend time in in scripture, to spend time in prayer, to serve others. But many of us know this. How mundane is that message? How cliche is it? Frankly, it was kind of boring when I wrote it. And it's kind of boring now as I say it out loud. Because many of us know this to be true here and yet fail to believe that it's true here. Many of us, I'm sure, have lists of New Year's resolutions that, and those lists often include behaviors that we, would, that we would like to curb or stop altogether. Many behaviors which the Bible might refer to as sinful But Isaiah's plea to the people throughout Scripture, it is not first a call to stop doing a laundry list of behaviors, but rather first a call to true worship and praise of God. Similarly, Christ's call has never been first to shape up. But rather, as we heard Pam read for us, to come follow me. And we so often get that out of order. Spend time trying to fix ourselves first. A classmate and friend of mine, Doug Harrison, is an ethicist, a former college professor, and a spiritual director to a number of clergy and in a blog post, written about his own spiritual journey and, and linking gardening to his faith, he writes this, and, and he says this in the context of, of having been able to tend to his beloved garden for quite some time for a number of reasons. He says, I finally headed out back. Sun blocked, gloved, and ready to salvage what I could of a garden wrecked by drought and negligence. My most treasured flower, this passion vine, was nearly leafless and had very little promise of blooming this year. And then I looked. Apparently, the drought had only made the roots go deeper and the leaves reach higher. A dead lump of a tree had become a trellis to a stubborn passion vine determined to reach the sun. It had become a hanging garden, which I now realize promised with a smattering of blooms bigger than ever before. And it was today the spring equinox, and it bloomed For the first time this year. This year I'm not trying to wrangle my own soul. To fix my own maladies. Or wrestle my heart to the sky. Instead I'm just trying to look up. I'm looking to see how. Just how high parts of me have been reaching for God. I'm leaning into what God means for me to be. Food for some. Beauty for others. Rooted enough to keep living The next season of drought. They call this worship. They call this praise. And interestingly, when I look up, some of the dead leaves fall away. Hear that again. They call this worship. They call this praise. And interestingly, when I look up, some of the dead leaves fall away. Friends, I think so many times we spend so much time trying to fix ourselves when if we will just look up, the dead leaves will fall away. Our souls souls thirst for God and, and we mistaken that thirst as a thirst for a whole host of other things. And the solution to our maladies begins with the mundane, with worship and prayer and time spent in scripture and service to others. If we will focus our gaze up, the dead leaves will fall away. Friends, here's the good news is that even in the midst, even in the midst of our getting it wrong regularly, today's scripture provides us assurance of God's promises and God's grace, even in the midst of all that. In our passage for today, did you hear the reference to the people of Zebulon and the people of Naphtali. Throughout Isaiah, as I mentioned, we read the people of Israel, including the members of these tribes, disobeying God. They construct idols. They they worship other gods. They get it wrong a lot. They turn their attention, they turn their gaze to a whole host of other things. And yet, Isaiah declares hope for these people. Isaiah does more than that. In fact, Isaiah says, on you, light, light. Has shined. Isaiah does this funny grammatical thing. Did you catch it? John C. Holbert is a former professor of homiletics with a PhD in Hebrew Bible or Old Testament. And he renders the translation of Isaiah 9:2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. You see, the word for walking is, is in the participle form, meaning action that is ongoing, walking. But the phrase, have seen a great light, is very clearly in the Hebrew, in the past tense. The people that he's referring to, that Isaiah is referring to, have been taken off to captivity. They're not in the light. They are very much walking in darkness. But the prophet uses the past tense. On them, light has shined. For a future action of God's deliverance, communicating the certainty of God's saving activity. You see, to the prophet, it's not a question, but a reality that in the prophet's eyes has already come into existence. In the passage that Dr. Mastin read for us from Matthew we read that Jesus left Nazareth and and made his home in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region in shadow of death, light has shined. Matthew Matthew harkens back to a time of great darkness in the history of the people of Israel and God's salvific work and makes this connection to Jesus, to what God is doing now through Jesus, writing to these people under Roman rule, writing to these Jewish people who are very much walking in darkness and says, on you light has shined. Again, proclaiming the coming of God's light with the surety that it has already happened. Let me ask you, where are you waiting on God's light to shine? I spent the week before last in Austin, Texas uh, at school where I'm, I'm working on a doctor of ministry and Hannah, our oldest, is, is now at the age where she notices when I'm away. And I'm grateful to say that, that she misses me. And, and so on Monday night of that week that I was away, Amy and I FaceTimed one another so that, so that we could see each other and so that I could see the kids and they could see me. And, and that particular night, Hannah had just been having a, a tough time and And on the phone, over FaceTime, through some sniffles, she asked me, Daddy, when are you gonna be home? I said, when you wake up on Saturday morning, I will be there. To which Hannah replied, is tomorrow Saturday? Boy, did I want to say yes? And how closely does that mirror our posture, our language with God with regards to the promises that light will shine on us in our own darkness? God, I I know that you will do what you say you're going to do. God, I believe, but when are you going to do it? God, is tomorrow, Saturday. And so, friends, we are called to gaze upon the one that promises that Saturday is coming. We are called to, to look up, to fix our gaze upon the one that can speak of impending deliverance in the past tense because it is so sure. In the meantime, we are called to bind together as this community, to remind each other to worship, to pray to spend time in Scripture to serve others. We are called to remind each other that light has shined, that light shines, and light will shine because of who God is. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.